I think the seven might be my favorite number. How can I lean into being more playful, more spontaneous? Fives are driven by a need to understand. The six is what we call the loyal skeptic. So six is actually my second highest number. I remember thinking, that doesn't really sound like me. Hey, Alan. Katie, are you ready to jump into the head triad? I am so ready. I have been kind of embracing my inner seven all day today just to talk about the head triad. So what numbers are we talking about tonight? We are talking about type five, six, and seven. And this is what we refer to as the head triad. And we've talked about the gut triad. We've talked about the heart triad. And one thing um, before we dive in is that we're combinations of all of these. So though we're focusing on the head triad, we are combinations of all nine types. Yeah. And before we talk about the head triad, can we come back to the gut triad just for a quick second? Because over the last few weeks, since we talked about the gut triad, and I remember I said something like, you know, because I'm predominantly one, which is in the gut triad. And I remember thinking, that doesn't really sound like me. Okay. I've been reflecting over this past week, realizing I have even said well, my gut is telling me this, or my gut is telling me that. And now that I'm more aware of it, I'm totally seeing how my home is in that, primarily that gut triad. It's a great insight, Kate. Let me ask you a follow-up. As you're more aware of the gut and this just feels right in my gut, what has then been the subsequent next step for you? Oh, that's a great question. So I can even think of something that happened to me today. And I said, I'm going to go with my gut on this. But before I did, I paused and I made sure that my gut feeling aligned with both. This is going to sound so cheesy, Alan, with my head and my heart. What are the data points that I have? You know, I am, like we said, we are scientists. We are healthcare professionals. I don't like walk into a patient's room and say, well, my gut is telling me that you need this many grams of carbohydrate per day. No, but based on the data that I have, my gut may then tell me, you know, I think this is something that's going to work out well for you. So I did triangulate it with those other centers. It's a great point that I want to make sure all of our listeners catch, and it's been an insight for me as, as well, is that this is the integrative nature of the Enneagram. It's easy to focus in on I'm a type one or I'm a type one wing nine. We haven't really talked about the wings. And that can be helpful, but we're so much more than that. And so, Katie, you give a great example of the integrative nature, the gut. Okay, but then logically, is that the right decision? What are the emotions around it? We will tend to access those three potentially in different orders. It's not a right or wrong, but the key is tapping into all three of those centers. And so it's a great example for all of us to recognize how do we make those decisions. We're going to talk about tonight those who lean in the head triad. So more of what's logical, you know, what's rational, what's practical. But yeah, great illustration, Katie, and a good way to start us off. So have you noticed anything? You know, now that we're, we're kind of doing this deep dive into the Enneagram, Alan, have you noticed anything in the past few days or weeks? 
I think for me, it's how can I tap into some of the areas that aren't as natural and in recognizing that is awkward, but again, it is providing me, we use this term a lot with more freedom to recognize, okay, I, that might not be natural and we're not trying to change anyone. But as we talk about tonight with the seven in particular, that's one of my lowest. And so how can I lean into being more playful, more spontaneous, which are some of the traits of, of the seven? And you can see how that complements very well that type one, you know, the perfectionism, the details, the plan. And this is where we really begin to see tremendous growth. It's not stop being a one. Of course not. But can I tap into some of those other areas, some of which may be very unnatural, you know, non-dominant hand? I've been trying to lean into that space a little bit more. And here's the last thing I will say is we also give ourselves grace. As you've said many times, Katie, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. Yes, yeah, something I have to repeat to myself daily, <laughs> even still. Okay, so we're, Alan, if we're talking about five, six, and seven, if we're talking about them, you know, they have this, they're in the head triad, so their experience is really shaped by their thoughts and logic, but also they can sometimes be somewhat detached from emotions and feelings. And so I'm really curious what this might look like for a five, six, or seven who's working in healthcare. Yeah. And let's start with the five first. And so the five, as you mentioned, Katie, very logical, loves to digest information. So let's take healthcare, new medication, new disease state, new guidelines for treatment. Fives in general are going to digest that. They're going to love all of that information. We talk about as healthcare professionals, we're lifelong learners and we all are. Fives will really like consume that information. You could see how having a five in your practice, in your facility is a tremendous asset. So they're going to be up more than likely on the most current treatments and guidelines, and they love that space. So practical tip number one, here's an opportunity for those individuals to teach, train, however, others in your particular practice, because they love information and being able to use it. That reminds me of a dear friend I have who is a five. And we were, we are, we're moms together raising our kids at the same age. She's not in healthcare. But I remember I went to her house one time and she had an entire bookshelf, a huge floor to ceiling bookshelf, lined with books about parenting. And so I said to this friend, wow, you have a lot of parenting books. Have you read all these? And she said, yes. And I said, oh my goodness, why have you never told me this before? You surely are a wealth of parenting information. And to any of our parents out there, you know, when your kids, especially when they're like, you know, it was preschool ages and elementary, you're like, I need a handbook here because I really don't know what I'm doing. And here, my friend, we had been friends for like, a year or two, I just hadn't been into her library at her home and looked at her books. And there she, I mean, she was an expert. And so then I was on to her. I was like, all right, I know that you do your research, you know things. So 
thinking about, like you said, the five on the team is the one who's going to be up on the latest information and not in a way, to me, this is important and I would love your thoughts on it, but in a different way from a six and in a different way from a, a one, because again, that motivation. So, so other numbers will do research, but the five does research for sometimes different motivations. Does that ring true? It does. And, and fives are driven by a need to understand whatever it is. I have a family member who years ago bought a, a new car. And this is, you know, prior to a lot of the digital information, handbooks, all that. And he read the, the manual cover to cover, several hundred pages. That's impressive. That is not, a, that is not me. It's not me either. I'm like, oh boy. I don't, think it, I don't think it's the seven either. When we get to the seven, you'll see why. No. And he's a five. And, it, and the comment was, if I have these features, I need to understand what they are. And this is that driving motivation. I need to understand whatever it is. And so that is that consumption of knowledge. Now, I will tell you with fives, an area where they have to be careful is there's always more information. And that drive, I need to learn more, I need to learn more, can go down a rabbit trail of which, with all the information that's available to us now, can become a point where the five has to go, okay, I have to stop and switch to something else. We're not saying quit learning, but if I've consumed 10 books on one thing and they are all saying somewhat similar things, it's time to shift. Yep. Yep. Maybe we don't need the entire bookshelf of parenting books. Maybe just like two, two rows of the parenting books. But yes, no, I think having a five on your team. Well, like we've said, with all the numbers, having all of these numbers is incredibly important. What about the six? What would you call the six? So the six is what we call the loyal skeptic. And as the term implies, sixes are incredibly loyal very relational, and they are continually looking at safety and security. And so in health, what could be some potential areas we as a family, let's say on a vacation or our workplace, what are some areas where we need to be very concerned about safety and security? And in today's day and time, that's a huge asset. I was talking to someone I work with who is a six the other day, and he was saying, yeah, when they go into movie theaters, he's very quick to observe the exits and what happens if this exit's blocked and all of those things, you know, because he was taking his daughter to the movie. So you can see like the value of that. And they want to provide safety, security for those around them. You can see in a workplace setting, this is in incredibly valuable. Oh, absolutely. And I think with the six, one of the things that I've seen, so six is actually my second highest number. And I have seen people sometimes confuse the six for the one, because I think there are some similarities there. I heard it described as the one has the inner critic, but the six has the inner committee. Have you heard that? Yeah, the, the committee in one's head. Where, as the six, what are all the possible things that could go wrong? And they can be very remote possibilities, 
but it could still happen. Sure, sure. Uh, and we want to be thinking about those things to an extent, just like with, you know, the five, like there's a point at which you need to potentially stop reading or looking so much into it. Same thing with the six, same thing with the one and the perfectionism. Again, it's all about this balance and um, the integration. And I think sixes can take on for themselves, it's my responsibility to ensure that others are safe. I need to be vigilant and, and absolutely, but to your point about the committee, can I be vigilant enough to deal with every single remote possibility that could happen? And if I can't, that may keep me from doing many things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I talk about the seven? Because yes, please. I think the seven might be my favorite number. So I know we haven't talked much about, you know, where numbers go, quote, in health, but the one goes to seven in health. And if there is one word that comes to my mind when I think of seven, it is fun. Uh, the seven is sometimes called the enthusiastic visionary. They might think they deserve to get what they want. Uh, they want freedom to experience it all, but also to avoid pain. So this is when I think about the sevens in my life, or even when I am in a healthy state and I tap into my seven, I'm like, yeah, kids, let's do go for ice cream. But you know what? Let's not just ice cream this time. Let's get hot fudge sundaes with as many sprinkles as they will give us, right? Lots of energy, very engaging people very drawn to sevens because of that energy fun is more natural and 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 it's inviting so absolutely yeah if you want to have it like go on a road trip have that seven put together the mixtape alan's favorite 80s songs and pick out the snacks then you can have your six make sure everything's safe for you then you can have your five do all the research on all the things you should do when you get there. That sounds like a great road trip, if you ask me. And it's a great illustration, Katie, of as you talk about going in health and perhaps not as much health. Think about this for just a second with the one seven. So the seven spontaneous, fun, adventurous, all of those kind of things. Think about the one. The one can be very about perfection, black and white, right or wrong, details. You can already see that when you combine those two in health, how much better it can be. We're not saying ones are bad, but you combine the health of both in an integrative manner, you begin to see this synergy. Absolutely. Other thoughts on the seven? I feel like I only highlighted just the fun part. What are some other things that a seven might bring to the healthcare team that we'd want to be looking out for? Yeah. And I will give you an example of a dear friend, pharmacist, who's a seven. And having her in the workplace is such a gift because there's no strangers. She will talk to the most difficult patient because she's so fun loving and it's natural. It, it's not an act, it, but she truly loves people. She brings an energy. And think about people who aren't feeling well. Your ability to connect with them and, and not saying, oh, you got this disease. It's fun and games. We're not saying that. But sevens have a real relational ability 
to bring out and to highlight good things, not minimizing the negative. We'll talk about that in just a second. But these are individuals that in the pharmacy, like th this pharmacist, she's out front. You're not keeping her in the back. She is talking to people, not only about their medication. Oh my goodness, you've got that bag from such and such. I mean, it is, it's a natural relational connectivity. And we've talked about how often we can just get wrapped up in the transactions of healthcare and those matter. But when you bring that relational piece and people know that you're so relational and so for them, I've seen people's defenses come down and that's where we really connect. So in any workplace in healthcare, having those sevens that are really interacting with patients, with other healthcare providers will make your team better. Yeah. You know, it's funny because as you're describing this, you know, I'm just over here smiling. I'm like, I'm picturing it. Like that is an important aspect to bring to that healthcare team. Well, so Alan, we talked about with our other triads, we talked about a dominant emotion. And so when I think about the head triad, we look at their dominant emotion of, be, of fear. So I'm curious what that might look like for each number. Yeah, and, and there's themes of fear here. We're not saying that only five, six, and sevens have fear. We're not saying it, but it's a real dominant underlying emotion. And, and to Katie's question, so one of the things that the five fears is that too much is going to be asked of me. I'm not going to have enough energy to help my neighbor. I'm not going to be competent enough to deal or give this talk. And so what's the fear there? Being incompetent, right? We talk about fives digest. I mean, they love to consume information. Competency, very important. I'm fearful that I, you're going to ask me something I don't know. And so fives can struggle with that spontaneity. They can also struggle in the sense of you're going to ask too much of me and what happens if I can't deliver. So fives can tend to withdraw and isolate. You, you think of your battery on your phone. I've got to conserve my battery. This is different than what we've talked about in the past of being sacrificed. Fives will have a tendency to want to keep that battery fairly high. So this isn't I have 5% in my battery I'm withdrawing to recharge. We're not saying that. It's, ooh, this is going to take a lot from me. I'm not going to engage when I may still have 55% of my battery. So that is something fives have to be very aware of. And how can they lean into these situations when the tendency may be to run from, can they run to? Okay. Yeah, I think, you know, thinking about the fives that I know, they're very few because I feel like five is not a very as common. I mean, that's just my gut feeling, if you will, that the five is not as common as some of these other numbers. But I think what you're saying just really describes some of the folks that I know that are fives. And so I think that's really helpful for those of us with other more dominant numbers to really be aware of and to be um, considerate of. What about the six? What might fear look like for the six? <laughs> we touched on this earlier, but a little more depth here. It's safety and security. So fear that I'm not going to be safe physically. You may not be a safe person for me to be around. 
if I trusted you at one time and you burned me, okay, I may have that fear. I may not trust you. So there's a safety there. There's a security. There is, I want to belong. But as you mentioned earlier, that committee in one's head, sixes in, in more unhealth because they can identify nonstop all the possible things that could be unsafe and be crippling. And it can really keep sixes from stepping into anything of any sort of risk. And I don't mean like a, a dangerous risk. I mean, just normal day-to-day -day risk. I have another family member who's a six and, and that committee never stops. And because that committee has been so strong for so long and there's not the subsequent self-awareness, it filters out. And so you can see that in just normal interactions and that can project onto others. So then it's, well, you shouldn't do that. You better be careful. And because any of these things will ripple out. So sixes have to be careful. Are they really buying into what the committee in their head is saying continuously? Because that will be projected out to others. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That also makes sense to me as a one, because I think sometimes that what's in, you know, what's going on in our heads does project out and not always in the way that, you know, we want it to. With the seven, when I think of what does the seven fear, I think of FOMO, like the fear of missing out, like the fear of the ice cream shop running out of ice cream or, you know, am I going to miss the fun? Am I going to miss something? What else do you think of with a seven and fear? Fear is something, you know, if we're talking significant fears that they will run away from. And so the, the fear is, like you said, I, I'm going to be stuck. I'm not going to have fun. I'm going to miss out on all these things. And so what sevens can do is they can reframe anything that may per be perceived as a negative into a positive. So things are always great. And so the, it's like they're the fear of the fear. So they're running away from the fear because they don't want to deal with it. And so I want to have fun, right? So what, what's another thing I can have fun doing? Because then I don't have to deal with the fear. And this can just be an ongoing, nonstop, the next fun activity. And the fear doesn't get dealt with or resolved. It will not go away. Yeah, that sounds like some of the things we've talked about with burnout and with, you know, just overcommitting and, and things like that. One of the other things I will say about sevens, because you mentioned it earlier, Katie, about this visionary. And sevens are visionary. They, they love to dream about what could be, you know, looking to the future. It could be for their family. It could be for the workplace. And they love that space. Where sevens can get fearful is, ooh, if I commit to doing X, well, then I can't do Y or Z or, but that would be so much fun down the road. So think of it in the workplace. We want sevens there to dream. How do we improve our practice? How do we improve the standards of care that we provide our patients? Absolutely. But we also need them to be fully present in the moment with that patient. And that can be difficult for sevens to do. Yeah. So Katie, you mentioned, you know, the, the seven, and that was kind of, you know, that's that natural place for you. What about the five or the six for you? Do, you? do you see anything in there that that jumps out in particular? Oh, that's a great question. So I mentioned that the six is my second highest number behind one. In fact, 
That day that you gave me my results from my IEQ 9, I mean, I was pretty sure it was me a coin flip if I was a 1 or a 6. I think you even teased me and told me I was a 6, but I digress. I think for the 6, what I really identify with is that temptation for me to scan the room. Like I'm picturing your comment about the movie theater and looking for the exits. When I make decisions at work, very often, because I am a leader, very often I find myself tempted to consider every single risk. And maybe this is a little five and six, just temptation, not like I don't go too far into it, but wanting to evaluate every single potential risk and then do research on you know, what I'm getting myself into. Do you think those sound like five and six factors? They do. And you could see where that could be very healthy. You could see where it could go into unhealth. But certainly the, the five is about the logic. You know, what are the facts? What are the details? So I'm doing research. Is this actually a wise decision? And you see how these types do blend together. Again, it's the integrative nature of the Enneagram, this is the IEQ-9, and that's the beauty of it is Katie's talking about five and six for her coming together, and you see how powerful a combination that can be. What about you? You mentioned that seven was lower for you. What about five or six? Yeah, and so it's interesting when we take about the, talk about the head triad in particular, and then I'll, I'll answer your question specifically. Because gut is natural for me, uh, as that type one in a strong nine, the decision gut, and then I go to my heart center next. What's the feeling? What's the emotion around it? Oh, it sounds good. Decision made. But there can be a problem with that. Why is that? I haven't tapped into the head center. And we're combinations of all three. So in the past, I would get that gut feeling like Katie talked about a decision, a big decision. And then how do I feel? What's the emotion? Oh, I am supercharged, energized. Yes, made the decision. What happened is I didn't logically think that through. And so for me, what that means is can I give myself a day to think about it instead of the knee-jerk reaction based on the emotion in the gut? And in doing that, it's kept me from making some decisions that weren't the best. And so to answer your, your question, Katie, I definitely see probably more of the six in me, and that's because I'm pretty strong nine. And so I can get into that committee. You know, imperfections seek me out as that type one, but I also can analyze and look at all the potential problems that could occur. I'm also someone who's very loyal to people until I get burned. That's where I have to be careful. We talked about sixes are loyal. And what I'm not saying is, well, six, you should be loyal regardless. It's not what I'm saying. But when my perfectionism kicks in and my expectations of Katie, and Katie doesn't do something just right, although I might not have communicated it to her, my, my stronger six can kick in and go, well, Katie can't be trusted. I don't know that I can, you know, am I safe around her? The loyalty piece. And then what do I do? I begin to put Katie at a distance. And these can be the subtleties that we see. And it's part of the reason why we talk about all the types, because there's nuances here. There could be blind spots here. And so that's where my unhealthy six can certainly kick in. Okay, so now that we're talking about unhealth, I feel compelled 
to talk us a little bit about one of the things that I struggle with as when I lean into my seven is the fear of or feeling like people aren't taking me seriously. And I think that is such an interesting posture because I even think about my day today. I was pretty seven today. I knew we were going to be talking about sevens, but on my animal print blouse, I was like, today I'm going to be fun. Well, then had a minute, I had a conversation and I thought someone wasn't taking me very seriously. I reflected on it and I was thinking, well, yeah, I might not. I had so much energy and, you know, I was so light and airy about it. I could see how someone might not take me quite as seriously had I come in with a little bit more of a posture of some other parts of my personality. But that I don't like that. I don't like people not taking me seriously. I want to be fun and people take me seriously. And it's great insight because we can stereotype any of these types. We could. And I, I appreciate what you're saying, Katie, about the energy that each of these types can bring and sevens will bring lots of that energy. It's a great awareness to recognize what does it look like to be on the other side of me? And this doesn't mean, well, Katie, you were wrong. No, of course not. But the recognition, especially with sevens and bringing that energy, is this a time where I need to bring as much? We're not saying don't be a seven, tone it down, don't be yourself. No, but do I need to bring that same level of intensity? We could say the same for some other numbers. Maybe I need to bring a little more intensity, a little more relational connectivity. We could go on and on with each of the types, but I think that's a great awareness. This isn't a one-size-fits-all, and this only comes from that self-awareness and these ongoing communications with the people around us because I can stereotype. I've stereotyped sevens in the past. I didn't have this tool, and I missed it. I labeled them as something that they weren't. This comes from conversations, from getting to know people. How do we value and appreciate those that may be very different than our own, than ourselves? Absolutely. Well, so Alan, can we look at these numbers and ask ourselves, what would the healthcare team be missing without this number? I mean, I think we've highlighted some of the really positive things about each of these numbers, but specifically looking at it from that healthcare lens. One of the things that, that we are not saying is, okay, when you're hiring people, you should make sure that you have all the nine types as their you know, dominant type. We're not saying that. But we're combinations of all nine, and we can certainly lean into those. And so to Katie's point, when each of these show up in your workplace, your patients will be served better. It's just the way it is. And we can all contribute. So, so getting to Katie's point about the five, fives have a really great ability to look at things objectively. And you think about in healthcare, we deal with some really tough stuff. And there's times that there's subjective things. Absolutely. It's the both and. Fives can be very objective. This can be helpful in sometimes making some very sensitive, delicate decisions. What's the data say? And sometimes we have to make decisions on what the data actually says versus, well, the relational impact. They're both important. Sometimes it's, this is the, the, these are the facts and this is what we need to do. Fives can be very objective. What does the data actually say? Because they, they will have that desire for truth, definitely. We've talked about the information piece, how they love to digest information. They also have very quick minds. 
lots of wisdom. And so we want to make sure that we get that five's opinion on anything we're doing. And I'm, I'm talking in the workplace specifically. It's not simply limited to that. But we want to get five's opinion. One of the worst things we can do in the workplace is say, my opinion is the only opinion next. I bring my opinion. I want to make sure I get the opinions of others. So fives bring that ability. And the last thing I will say, and in the fives I know in my life, once again, it's just a generalization, are very humble. And it's a tremendous gift, right? When we can be humble to the patients we serve, and recognizing ourselves as experts, this is not a false humility, but that pure humility, that, that humble nature can go so far as connecting with others. And so fives have a really tremendous ability to bring that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you said that about the humility, because that is definitely something I appreciate because they do know so much. And, you know, it would be easy to be arrogant or demanding with that information, but the humility just really allows the other people around them to accept that information and to be um, willing to do something with it in a way it's not off-putting. So I, I, that's, again, one of the things I love about, about the five. Well, what about the six? We've talked about the six being someone who assesses threats and risks. What else might a six bring to the healthcare team? They are incredibly reliable. If a six says that he or she is going to do something, they will do it. Think about how valuable that is. You're, you're a manager, you're an owner, you're a supervisor, and you tell your, your colleagues, I need you to do X, and you don't have to worry about it. Because not only is it done, it's done well. Ooh, I don't know about you. I would love to have employees where I can only say it once, it's done and it's done well, and I don't have to think about it again. You definitely want to tap into to that ability of the six. And so it's important to trust those individuals. If I micromanage you, even though I have no reason to, you've been fully trustworthy, think about the effect that could have over time. And some of us may have a tendency to micromanage. Okay, well, it's good to be aware of it. Does the person or persons on the other side of me need that? Is it warranted? Maybe it is. I will tell you, most sixes I know, you don't need to micromanage them at all. They will take care of what needs to be done. Yeah. One of the things, one of the words that comes to me when I think about a, a stick is precision, very precise. I identify with that quite a bit as that one because it kind of might look like perfectionism for me, but the, just that precision. And like you said, you know they're going to do a good job and they can be counted on. I can imagine that might contribute to burnout and what I call the curse of competence, right? About where because you're so good at something, people ask you, continue to ask you to do it and to take on more. Do you think that's something that we might see with our sixes? I think so. And I think especially with, you know, such concern of safety and security in the world, sixes can provide that in health. Well, what if everyone goes to the six and then expects them to be that safety and security for them? Think of how taxing that can be. Sixes are very loyal. They care about people. I might think that it's then my responsibility to be the safety and security for everyone in the building, in the facility. 
that's on me. Think about the weightiness of that over time. And so you certainly could see where burnout could happen. The loyalty piece, which is something we celebrate, I may be getting taken advantage of over and over again, but I'm so loyal. Hence, again, that path to burnout. And then lastly, what about our sevens? What are we going to miss if we don't have a seven? I think you talked about, you know, just the fun and the positivity. I also like that you talked about the visionary and being how like creative and thinking about the future the seven can be. What about, what do we see with a seven as far as like celebrating successes? Is that something that you tend to see with a seven? I do. I'll give you another example. So uh, another healthcare professional I know who's a seven, it is very common for her to make all these personalized cookies, cupcakes for staff. And she might work the 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. shift at, in a, a large hospital. And she loves doing it. Okay, so there's a celebration of those significant things, right? An anniversary, perhaps the birth of a new baby, retirement. Absolutely. We love to celebrate those. She does it on a regular basis, celebrating people just for who they are, just to say thank you. Think about it if you've worked, you know, seven on, you know, 10 hour shifts and a colleague, it's four in the morning and a colleague brings you a cupcake with your name on it. It may seem insignificant. It is huge. And she does it with all this energy and zest and zeal for life. And it's four in the morning. This is something sevens bring because it's so natural. Because people on the other side of sevens, they feel like they've been seen, that they're valued, they're appreciated. And that all ties into the celebration. And think about it. As healthcare professionals, what we do is really hard. We deal with tough stuff. I'm not going to pretend it's not. To be able to celebrate once in a while, us as healthcare professionals who continue to suit up and show up every day and serving our patients, it's a tremendous asset to any team or organization. Absolutely. Well, Katie, we've gone through the head triad. Any other thoughts that you have either as you've reflected back? I know one of the benefits of, of these podcasts is we get a chance to reflect or just any other thought that came to your mind for our colleagues out there who may want to learn a little more about the five, six, or seven? Well, I think for me, the thought that keeps circling around in my head is, like you said earlier in this episode, the integrative nature of this. And just the positivity I get from, yes, which with each of these numbers, there's a vice, there is something, you know, you can have too much of something, but it also gives me so much encouragement and hope about the potential for growth is that you know within each of these numbers, there's always that potential for growth and that there really are a lot of ways to grow and develop even within your number to help other people do that as well. That's tremendous insight, Katie. And what we are not saying is there's a formula, there's an equation, you should be X number of percent in whatever type of the nine types. And I think this is important because when we talk about the head triad, it can be easy to get caught up in the logic, the facts, the data, and it matters. It matters in healthcare. But when individuals who lean real heavily into this head space can begin or continue to tap into more of the heart, the feelings, the gut piece, 
this is the integrative nature that you're talking about. And one of the beauties of the IEQ-9 assessment is it really gives you some quantitative results in these three triads as to, okay, what might be my more natural place I go in making these decisions and how I show up in the world? Again, not a right or wrong, but as we've been talking, if I only rely on the, the headspace, you can see the gaps. You can see the potential problems. The same is true for the heart space. The same is true for the gut space. And so this is where these conversations are so valuable because we have different lenses, different perspectives. And hopefully that we've been able to stress over the last couple, three podcasts is everyone gets to play and everyone is needed. Absolutely. Well, Katie, it's been fun going through these nine types. I mean, we're just getting started in the Enneagram. We've got a lot of other applications that we want to bring in. And part of that is the question we always ask ourselves is, so now what? Information is great. And I know I'm talking to some fives out there. It's like, yeah, I love this information. And it is powerful, but it's the application, the, the so now what? So we're going to continue in that space over our, our next several podcast because we've only scratched the surface in this space, but it's been fun to, to go around all nine types. So Katie, thanks for, for joining the journey. I know we're only getting started, but yeah, thanks for, for sharing and, and being a seven today. You know, that's, that's right. I'm going to go have some more fun after we, we finish this episode. All right. Thanks, Alan. Bye. Bye.